This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, welcome to another podcast of the Angaza Awards. This is part of the judges interview and I'll be your host today. My name is Ali Mwakaneno Gakweli. So as as you know, we're kicking off the second edition of the Angaza Awards. This one is going to be Pan-African. Um, we'll be targeting applicants from all over the continent. And today I am sitting with Maxwell Pirikisi, who is the president of the South African Chamber of Commerce. And we want to know um, what Maxwell thinks with regards to gender representation in um, leadership boards in Africa, specifically addressing some of the gaps between different regions and maybe some of the give some of the recommendations that would help companies, especially in the banking and finance sector, boost their board representation in terms of gender. Welcome to the show, Maxwell. Uh, thanks very much, uh, my brother, and it's good to be uh, with you. And um, yeah, I look forward to um, the awards themselves, but I look forward to our conversation today as well. So, Maxwell, before we get into the awards, let's talk about representation in Africa. Why is it important that we have women in leadership boards of African companies? Uh, thanks for that question. And um, I forgot to just perhaps uh, made, uh, make a, uh, a small correction on your, on your intro in terms of my role. So I, I serve on a couple of boards in South Africa. Um, and the two that you've got there, I am a director at the South Africa Chamber of Commerce and Industry. So I'm a director there. But the key one that is important, I think, for our conversation today here is where I am the president of the South Africa Nigeria Business Chamber. Um, so I thought I should just just highlight that uh, in case somebody gets uh, gets gets confused. But back to your point in terms of why it is important for for us to have women in leadership boards across the continent, I do believe that it's it's really time that um, um, the talent and the capacity that is um, within you know. Uh, women uh, across our continent comes to the fore. Uh, it is for long been, in a way, in my own way, in my own words, suppressed. I think uh, by um, uh, the, the male, uh, you know, the agenda, and uh, it has not really come forth uh, precisely because opportunities have not been opened up and 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 so forth. So, uh, for me, you know, maybe I should start even by submitting that the matter of women in leadership for me has always been paramount. Um, but the world in general, not just Africa specific, but the world in general, has really never been ready to tackle uh, this matter, you know, simply because those who hold the levers of power, authority and influence are themselves not really ready to upset what looks like an eternal societal uh, patriarchal setting, which puts men above women in most of the cases. And I was reading not so long ago, you know, some, you know, some uh, written piece that was uh, uh, done by Thomas Chamorro uh, Premuzichiki, and um, you know, who wrote an article on leadership strategy uh, in the Forbes magazine. I think it was about in March this year, and he described, you know, these what I call societal patriarchal settings is the uncomfortable reason and painful truth that we all have to accept as humanity. Now that's that's how he put it. And in, that's in my view that 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 it is time now that really uh, women should be allowed to come to the fore because they do deserve to be there. Um, there are so many attributes uh, that women have that uh, you know a man 
uh, do lack. And it is such a terrible indictment, I think, uh, in my mind, that the whole world waits for the month of August to declare this month Women's Month, and everybody goes into you know a frenzy to talk about issues affecting women uh, for the next 30 days, um, only to ignore all of that for the remainder of 11 months of the year. It's a bit like somebody saying, here's your freedom for the next 30 days, uh, but uh, for the rest of the remaining 330 days in a year, uh, please enjoy your ride under my foot. And it really doesn't doesn't cut it. It doesn't work. Uh, not in this time and age. Things have to change. It's time to lose this patriarchal mentality and come to terms with the reality that not only are you know um, um, are women, uh, you, you know, are we all human beings uh, equal? You know, men and women. Um, you know, in many ways and in many instances, women are actually better equipped to lead than men. And in my mind, as a man, this shouldn't even be a painful reality. It's the truth. Uh, and it starts uh, with us. It starts with you and me acknowledging that and making it possible for women to occupy the front seat and no longer to stay in the, in the, in the, in the background as in previous decades. Uh, science tells us, statistics tells us um, that in many, in, in, in many ways, uh, such attributes as humility, self-awareness, self-control, and what I call moral sensitivity, uh, social skills and emotional intelligence, kindness, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, many aspects of uh, moral orientation itself. These are traits that are, in fact, inherent in women more so than, than, than they are in men. And women also have the capacity to outperform men in many instances. Um, and uh, if, we, if, if we just stop suppressing them and open up, the way for them. So that's, in my view, why I think that I think women should be allowed, uh, should be occupying, should should have uh, paths paved for themselves to occupy uh, positions on boards, um, you know, in companies, public and private sector, uh, much as they should do so in any other uh, community setting. Um, so for all my brothers out there, I'm afraid to say, but uh, many sort of... Uh, uh, you know, psychopathic in my mind and Machiavellian leadership traits are actually found in men than they are in women. I mean, men are more narcissistic uh, than, than women. Um, and, um, you know, they focus on themselves, uh, you know, and uh, we care about um, ourselves and we are very cruel in, in, in some instances. We fight brutal battles um, and uh, we, we are not so great when it comes to issues of empathy um, and if you take the current setting in mind now where we have a pandemic on the go, it calls for more empathy than the brutal fights we, all, we normally have in the boardrooms as men. Uh, and I think it's, it's therefore important to just balance the boardroom setting with uh, the female voice and the female gender, not for the sake of numbers, but actually because women are more capable, even more so now than ever before uh, in terms of taking the leadership role. I'm happy you talked about you talked about balancing the the boardroom here. And if we look at uh, southern southern Africa, the, the the African part. Sorry, um, Levin. If we look at um, south south the southern part of the continent, it shows that representation, especially on 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 boards, is is more or rather is better than other parts of the continent. So for example, a survey by McKinsey put Southern Africa at 20%, East Africa at 16%, West Africa at 11%, and uh, North Africa at, at 9%. Maybe from where you sit, 
um, what can other sub-regions in Africa learn from the milestones in gender representation in South Africa? And what more can we do as a continent to achieve the 50-50 split? I think, um, thanks for that. I, I, I do think that uh, in, in, in all fairness, there has to be a deliberate action. These things don't, don't uh, happen just as a matter of course. Um, first of all, it starts with acknowledgement. Uh, so if, if we can acknowledge as a society that we have been wrong in actually frustrating women out of leadership roles and relegating them to the, uh, to the kitchen, to people that serve the tea and coffee and the biscuits while we're in the boardroom. I mean, I think you just need to, if, if you just open up your mind and, you know, and think about a boardroom setting in the now, uh, you know, under the normal circumstances, you will find that the, there are more men sitting in boardrooms uh, and uh, there are more women saving those men in the boardrooms. So when it comes to the to, to times of uh, tea and coffee breaks, that's where you see the women coming in to save. And that's not a very good picture. I mean, it should actually be you know, annoying to many of us in this day and age where you only begin to see the female gender coming to the boardroom to serve tea and coffee and biscuits when in fact they have the capacity to actually run with strategic issues um, in our country, I mean, you did mention, you know, Southern Africa. In our country, it was in 2019, I think, that President uh, Cyril Ramaphosa announced the first ever gender-balanced, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, equal cabinet uh, of our country in the history of our country since uh, uh, 1994, since we attained the independence. He made a deliberate effort. So as part of his commitment to what he called then the new dawn, he made an effort to make sure that his own cabinet was balanced. So, so it, it, it does not happen um, generically. It does not happen as a matter of course. One is to take a stand and say, this is what I'm going to do to balance this system because it's not, the system is not going to balance in, in it and of itself. You, you have to be conscious about it and you have to take conscious steps to rectify what you see as, a, as an oddity in the system. And if you don't do that, nobody's going to do it for you. So, and, and again, and like we can learn from, from many parts of the continent, not necessarily in the subcontinent in sub-Saharan Africa, where we are. I think in Liberia, we had the president uh, who was a, a lady and she did a fantastic job when she was the president there. I mean, so, so and you can look around it. So from a government perspective, from a company, private sector perspective, you will also find that I think, you know, lessons not just from our own continent, but if you look beyond our own borders as a continent, look to Europe and look to the States, for example. I think there were statistics that came out that suggested that in the United States, during this pandemic, the states that had uh, female um, uh, leaders uh, in terms of their own uh, governments, local authorities in their own states, in their own, you know, from the governor down to their own local cabinets or cabinet or, or leadership uh, uh, structures. Those states that had more women uh, performed better from a position of preventing major catastrophes coming out of the pandemic itself. And you can break it down to how many dates were experienced in a state that had more women leaders. Uh, than those that had male uh, uh, counterparts. So I do think that um, um, for me, if it is any takeaway, anything that uh, we can all learn, it is 
an issue of being deliberate and strategic about it and confronting the beast uh, without fear or favor and saying, we've got to get this right. And I think from our own president in this country, that's one of the things that he's, he's been striving to do. And companies and institutions can take a leaf from that and learn and say, you know what, if we don't have uh, female leaders in this boardroom, I'm not going to go ahead in this meeting. I'm not going to go ahead with this meeting. I'm not going to go ahead with this strategy. Let us bring them on board. And this is not to make them, this is not to promote a tokenism uh, type of uh, approach here. This is really precisely because I do believe they are, they are more capable women that we have been frustrating out of boardroom settings and out of leadership positions, no matter where you find them. Um, speaking of uh, deliberateness of, of effort towards you know, championing for equality and board representation, Maxwell, what are some of the things that you're doing in your current role to raise awareness um, around gender diversity? So I, uh, as I said uh, earlier, I do serve on a, on a, on a couple of structures, um, you know, and, and, and in my own small way, I make sure that um, gender diversity is not only supported or promoted, but actually it becomes a strategic imperative of the institutions that I'm affiliated with. So in other words, if we have a 10-member board, can we just start by making sure that there is a 50-50 split in terms of gender on that board? Can we just start by making sure that the bench strength itself from a succession uh, point of view, succession planning point of view, the bench strength is also gender um, uh, friendly in terms of diversity. We can't have people that are understanding a CEO, all of them being men or 70% being men. That's not right. We should have a 50-50 gender balance uh, you know, parity there to make sure that when the time comes, we have developed enough capacity on those people waiting in the wings to take over that they are men and women of equal strength and equal capacity that are there. So give them opportunities. So these are the things that I, I do. So I make sure, as I said, make sure that... Uh, uh, the, the representation on any leadership structure has got a 50-50 uh, parity. Make sure that those waiting in the wings, on the bench, that are being trained, that are understanding the leadership, there is that gender balance as well. Make sure that for any strategic imperative that we are going to run with, it has a gender balanced voice. In other words, I'm not going to seek counsel just from men. I, I need to seek counsel from women. Uh, as well. And if I have a woman's voice uh, in the leadership, I need not only to just kind of uh, uh, listen with an ear that just says, okay, that's just another voice. No, I need to give it the due authority and the due allegiance that it deserves as a voice uh, coming from my female counterparts. So it is to recognize female leaders, whether it is in their potential or in their operational capability now, but I need to recognize. So I make an effort to make sure that my colleagues also understand where they in the structures that I sit in and serve in, that they understand that we've, we are going to be recognizing and we do recognize women leaders and we are going to acknowledge them uh, wherever they might be. Whether that is somebody uh, sitting uh, or working in a, in a corner somewhere or somebody working in a boardroom, because leadership for me is not just in the boardroom. You lead from where you are. But we must make sure that deliberately we have 
the women strategically positioned in all our operations uh, that will make sure that in fact their voices are, are heard. So, so those are the things that I do, I do promote gender diversity in, in its different forms. And, and I champion it. And I champion gender diversity regardless of whether or not there might be uh, some endemic opposition or resistance uh, by anyone. Because it's not only men that tends to, oh, to apply the law of the lead on women. Women also apply the law of the lead uh, on other women. In other words, you know, there are issues there that, uh, that are experienced when one lady starts to rise up, the other ladies might also feel a little bit of some jay and say, why is she, not me? So it is about also making sure that even among the ladies that are rising, the women that are rising to be leaders, that they do understand and they do accept their own responsibilities, acknowledge uh, the capacity of uh, each other as the even as they rise. So then they, do, they don't start pulling each other down. So something that you mentioned earlier was that we have a lot of um, capable women that could take companies to to greater heights given given the chance. And that is something that we aim to do at the Angaza Awards. Speaking of which, why did you sign up to be a judge for these awards? <laughs> Thanks. I mean, for me, recognition of excellent performers and achievers uh, from across the public and private sector divide for me and, and from all over the continent. Uh, is is critical. It is paramount, and uh, uh, women supporting each other, recognizing each other, women lifting you know each other, and uh, you know as they rise. Uh, there's a saying in our country that you've got to lift as you rise, um, and you don't kick the ladder once you have reached the top floor. Um, and uh, men deliberately creating space for women uh, to uh, to show and demonstrate their excellence and celebrate their progress and prosperity. Essentially, all of these things, they form um, my reasoning for wanting to be part um, of the Angaza Awards. Uh, and so essentially, I'm expecting to see quite some strong entrance and great uh, con- you know, contestation among uh, you know, uh, women leaders uh, from across the spectrum, uh, whether in the public or in the private sector. And, and they are, you know, the thing that was appealing the most for me on these particular awards is that they are pan-African. Um, they've gone beyond uh, a region. So it's not East Africa, West Africa, Southern Africa, or Central North Africa. It, it's gone pan-African. And, you know, through and through, I am a proponent of pan-Africanism. And, and, and that's why I felt when I was approached and asked to consider being part of this, I didn't have to debate within myself or discuss. It was a foregone conclusion right from the beginning I want to be part of this because I do believe in what the Angas Awards stand for uh, in so far as promoting the excellence of women leaders across the continent is concerned. Maxwell, as a Pan-Africanist and as someone who sits on various um, boards in business and commerce, what are you excited the most about this second edition of the Angas Awards? I think, uh, you know, as I just indicated, they are continental, they're Pan-African, it's the second edition, I mean, I, I missed the first edition, um, you know, and um, the second edition, which is these ones now, is continental. So I, I, I would love to see the vast capacity of excellent women leaders that will come forth from an entrance perspective from across the continent. So it will be great to, to see how women in sub-Saharan Africa 
uh, will measure up when it compares, you know, when it comes to women in the East African belt uh, and the West and the North. So, and, and, and the color of the expertise and excellence of the leadership traits uh, that should come from the different parts of the continent, that is exciting to me uh, because, uh, you know, we, 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 grew, we grew up in different settings and we have different cultures. And I'm looking at this uh, mix of these cultures being showcased in the uh, women leaders that we shall be looking at and looking through their, their CVs and their bios and their exploits and then come up with uh, hopefully a cross-section of excellence. I don't think that, you know, for all, all the entrants, I don't think there will be a loser. The fact that you have entered into these awards makes you a winner already. Um, and you may not come up on top as, you know, kind of their number one or in the top five, but the fact that you've come out from your region into these continental uh, setting uh, to contest for uh, the acclaimed, you know, awards uh, that uh, it in itself is just a good thing. It's just a beautiful sight to see. And I do think that I think it's time that we have our own uh, awards coming out of Africa, you know, um, for Africans, as opposed to an award being given by a global body somewhere else. Well, that is good. But these are awards that are coming from Africa and judged, you know, and, uh, you know, on the merit uh, from an African perspective and um, given to Africans. So that is quite attractive for me. And I think from here on, this thing will just go global. Um, that's what attracts me and that what is intriguing for me. And that's what I look forward to uh, in these coming awards. Maybe last question, Maxwell, and this is specifically for the participants. What is one word of advice you would give to participants applying for these Pan-African Awards? Authenticity. So if you ask for one word, that's what it is. Authenticity. Nothing beats authenticity. Just be yourself. Uh, you, you don't have to pretend to be anybody else. You do not have to follow in the footsteps of anybody else. Chat your own course and be authentic. Nothing beats that. Uh, you, because you are unique. By yourself, every one of us, we are unique by ourselves. Why would we want to imitate somebody else? Just be authentic. Just be yourself. So one word for me, authenticity. And I'm going to be looking for that uh, when we go through the process. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Maxwell. This is all I had for today. And I definitely look forward to seeing you at the Angaza Awards. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And, um, you know, once again to the leadership uh, of the Angaz Awards and those who have been behind it in terms of uh, uh, putting this together yourselves and all the partners involved and my fellow uh, uh, judges on the judging panel and the contestants, I wish you all of the very best. Thanks very much. You're welcome. To our listeners, that was Maxwell. He's one of the judges for this edition of the Angaza Awards. Uh, if you want to check out more podcasts in this segment, just go to uh, podcast.kenyanwallstreet.com, search Angaza Awards. you get more information on what's this, what this award is about. And you get to listen to uh, the different interviews that we had for last year's edition of the Angaza Awards, as well as what you can expect from this year's awards. To the applicants out there, the applications are open. Um, please go to the Angaza Awards website to apply for the opportunity to be recognized amongst Africa's giants in terms of women in banking and finance. Have a lovely day.